Hello, I'm Jonathan Hand, and welcome to the Lease Negotiator podcast. Bringing you commercial property insights for the latest news, information, hints and tips, and sharing some of my experiences over the past 30 years. In the previous podcast, we looked at why tenants get caught out, and we concentrated on four reasons. The common theme running through all four are the gaps in the technical knowledge of lease terms by tenants, which then leads to mistakes being made. In this podcast, I want to share with you three areas in particular where tenants can get caught. The first is repairing liability, the second is contracting out, and the third and final point is to do with break clauses. So let's start with the full repairing lease. From research, this is the area where tenants end up getting the biggest surprise at the end of the lease and can often hit them hard financially. We've heard some absolute horror stories from companies who weren't expecting to carry out any repairs, but then suddenly to be hit by a large dilapidations claim from the landlord, which has sent their plans into turmoil. It's a point worth noting here. Commercial property agents by default market properties in a full repairing basis. So in lease negotiations, if this is not queried, or renegotiated, the heads of terms were prepared on that basis. It's a point worth making here, and I've made it in previous podcasts, but just remember, it's not the agent's job, a commercial property agent's job, to warn you of what these implications are. Their responsibility lies with the landlord, not with yourselves. So if the lease is prepared on a full repairing basis, the phrase to keep and to put in substantial repair and condition is often used. This in effect means that any repairs that are needed, as a tenant, unless you have mitigated your liability, you are liable for the full upkeep of the property, inside and outside. That can be quite costly. There are a number of different ways in which you can protect yourself and mitigate your liability. One of those is to negotiate an internal repairing lease. This means that the landlord is responsible for the outside of the building and you, as a tenant, responsible for the inside. This can save you an awful lot of money if looking and and taking a lease on an older building. However, landlords don't like taking responsibility for for keeping the outside in repair, which is why they then try and shift the liability onto you as a tenant. So internal repairing leases are hard to negotiate. In that respect, what other ways are there to protect yourself from the full liability of a full repairing lease? That is by taking and agreeing a schedule of condition. The schedule highlights um, areas of disrepair. It kind of draws a line in the sand. It can be a, a photographic schedule or, te- or by text, or it could be a combination of the two. Taking your own photos after the lease has been signed is not enough. So whilst this draws a line in the sand, there is a catch. And that catch is, whilst the schedule of condition might be documented and mentioned within the repairing clause, Often it is forgotten from the decorating clause. There is an obligation normally on tenants to decorate the property inside and out at set terms within the lease, and normally within the the last six to 12 months of the lease ending. If the schedule of condition is not mentioned within the decoration clause, you then still have liability to decorate the building, even if the property was in poor condition when you took over in the first place. So just a, a, a point there to be very wary of. The second area where tenants get caught is, is around contracting out. So what does contracting out mean? 
it means that as a tenant, you have no automatic right to renew the lease at the end of the lease term. Whilst this might not seem a big deal, in reality, it can cost the tenant a significant amount of money. An example of this is where you've spent a lot of money on fit out, where you might be looking to build up your business and want to sell on in the future, or where there is a significant cost to move. Once the lease ends and you then have to negotiate a new lease with the landlord, if he knows that you have no alternative but to stay, then the power of negotiation is with him. So be very wary of signing a contracted out lease. But if you have to, just be aware of the implications. Um, The third and final point is around break clauses, which is a mechanism which allows the tenant and sometimes the landlord to bring the lease to an end before the end of the contractual term. There are two main types, a fixed date break clause and a rolling break clause. As a business owner, a rolling break clause is better as it gives you the power by giving you the flexibility, although these are a lot harder to negotiate. Often within uh, either break clause, the landlord will insist on conditions. Our advice is to keep things really simple. The more conditions that landlord attaches, the easier it is for the landlord to say that the break is invalid. Break clauses can be really beneficial when timed right, but from a tenant's perspective, it's not easy to time a fixed break clause right which is why the rolling break clause is better. The biggest mistake we see is, is around rent reviews and break clauses. So a ten, tenant will often say, we want the break clause included because we're not quite sure what the rent's going to be. And often there's a rent review and therefore if we can serve notice. However, what often happens is the break clause and the rent review are aligned. Normally it's say a three or five years, and, but the tenant then has to serve a notice period beforehand. So at the point the tenant needs to serve notice, They've got no idea what the rent's going to be and therefore the break in in essence becomes ineffective for their purpose. So to get the the best results uh, you're after for a break clause, consideration should be given to what is the break clause required for, what is the notice period that needs to be served. From a tenant's perspective, trying to keep this to a a minimum, ideally three to four months, industry norm is normally six. Are multiple break clauses required? Is a fixed date break clause better or a rolling break clause required? and also what conditions are attached. So I hope this has provided you with a little bit of insight into some of the areas where, as a tenant, you potentially get caught. In the next podcast, I want to delve into some of the other terms that need to be agreed and some of the other things that you need to consider from your perspective. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I can be found on LinkedIn, Jonathan Hand, The Lease Negotiator, or check out the website at theleasenegotiator.com. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe, tell your friends, comment and share. I look forward to welcoming you next time. I am Jonathan Hand, The Lease Negotiator.